welcome to today's Coffee with Craig. We so much appreciate you guys tuning in and, uh, well, join the conversation as we talk firearms, firearms policy, culture, politics, litigation, you name it. We're talking about it right here on Coffee with Craig. So please make it a point to like and share uh, this uh, program so that your friends, uh, well, so that your friends can join the program as well. They'll know that you're on with us so that they'll you know, who knows, maybe you want to get on and join the conversation with us as well. Whether it's on Facebook or YouTube or uh, or you're you're listening to our podcast on any number one of uh, podcasting sources. Uh, yeah, that's right. We are now, this is now also an audio podcast. So we encourage you guys uh, to listen in there, if, you know, in the event that that's, that's something that works better for you as opposed to actually watching us. Uh, also want to remind you guys, uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our 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 podcast as well as uh, follow us on Facebook. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, then you, you can make sure that you get the alerts whenever uh, whenever these video streams uh, begin. I also want to remind you one last thing. Uh, please remember to go to fpcgear.com, get very cool t-shirts. Uh, I don't think the one that I'm wearing right now is, is still available. Uh, that, but that just goes to show you that you know you need to make sure that you get in and that you, you get in while the getting is good. So you want to make sure, get the t-shirts before they run out, before we run out of, of your particular size or whatever it is. But we've got some very cool ones right now. we got the Code is Free Speech, uh, Code is Free Speech t-shirts. We've also got our Can't Stop the Signal t-shirts, along with a number of other very cool t-shirt designs that are all brand new, and they're all waiting for you so you can look good and support the Second Amendment at the same time. Once again, every dollar that you spend there goes right back into the fight for our constitutional right to keep and bear arms. All right, now let's get into today's topic. Uh, a lot of folks out there, now not everybody did, but a lot of folks out there uh, decided that uh, here in California decided that uh, they didn't want to reconfigure their firearms and they decided, well, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to actually register it. Uh, and so they decided to try and take advantage of the, of the registration process, online registration process by the California DOJ. And unfortunately, there were a whole lot of folks who were not able to, to register for one reason or another uh, and uh, for the most part as far as we know uh, a lot of those folks don't really have a lot of recourse right now in terms of what to do with their firearms uh, in many cases that you have a lot of people out there who could be in legally in possession or not legally illegally in possession of of assault weapons or at least as defined by the state of California so uh, we filed a lawsuit uh, and uh, in this lawsuit, uh, well, you know what? I'm not even. I'm not even. Gonna, I'm not even getting into the details. Of the lawsuit. What I'm going to do is, is we brought uh, our attorney, Mr. George Lee, on on board with us this morning to kind of lay out all the details of the lawsuit uh, and help you guys to know and understand exactly what we're doing. Uh, and hopefully, for those of you who wanted to register but were not able to. Hopefully, uh, provide you guys with uh, a little bit of not legal advice, but help you to understand and clarify what your options are. So, with that, George, welcome to the program. So glad to have you. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me. All right. So, let's jump right into it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the case? Sure. As we argue in the motion that we just filed, this case is basically about trying to constrain a government that, A, insists that people comply with their insane and inane assault weapons laws, and then B, deprives people of the opportunity to comply with those laws, and then C, would seek to punish people 
basically for failing to comply in the first place when these problems were caused by the DOJ. And so this is a case that is meant specifically to address the inability of the California Department of Justice to run an operational functioning uh, registration system, online registration system that prevented people from being able to comply with the assault weapon registration laws in the first place. Well, see, there was our first mistake, expecting the California DOJ to be able to run a fully functioning website. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess it's like uh, the rollout of the Obamacare website. I mean, uh, you know, except this time, if it's, um, if you like your, your AR, you can keep your AR. At least that was the promise. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a good one. So um, do me a favor real quick and, and uh, tell me, tell the folks, what kind of uh, relief is it that you're looking for in this particular case? This is a case uh, called a mandamus action, which is basically a fancy way of saying that we're trying to compel the government to do what it's supposed to do or what it's legally required to do. So it's pretty simple and it's pretty straightforward. And so in this instance, it's to compel the DOJ to operate a functioning, uh, functional, accessible online registration website. So, I mean, irrespective of how you might feel about registration, to the extent that people wanted to register or felt that they needed to register for whatever reason, this they should have the opportunity to do that. That's what the lawsuit seeks. Right. And, you know, that's a very important point. You know, because, you know, I get it all the time. People are saying, uh, why are you guys supporting registration? You should be fighting registration. And, and we are fighting registration. But the fact is, is right now under the law, there's certain ways that people are given in which they can comply with the law. And registration is one of those ways that they can comply with the law. And if you're going to make that an option, it ought to be a real option for anyone who chooses it, correct? Exactly. And, and listen, I totally understand for there are some people who are totally opposed to the idea of registration in the first place and would never register anything and believe that registration leads to confiscation and they may be right they may be right and i'm not arguing or disputing that that idea but the fact of the matter is i mean this the the, the reality of the matter is is that we think that hundreds of thousands of uh, of bullet button weapons were purchased in the in the past decade um, most notably the ar-15 type rifles and so to expect that all of them all of those people who bought off the shelf like uh mnp 20 uh mnp 15s for example right mm -hmm. um, to expect them to all to be able to take other options or to um or to uh seek other configurations is just is just unrealistic i mean the, the fact yeah. of the matter is that a lot of people aren't willing to um i guess you know deform their rifles for lack of a better word uh to uh to comply with a, a featureless requirement exactly exactly and uh you know so once again so everybody out there this is not we do not support necessarily support the idea we don't support registration but for those who choose to use that as, a, as an opportunity or a way in which to comply, which evidently turns out to be a good number of people, uh, that option ought to be a real option. Now, speaking of that, um, is this, now is this a class action lawsuit? 
Yes and no. I mean, technically, it's not a class action lawsuit, which is typically requires uh, certain certification and other uh, requirements, and that mainly to deal with the problem of how you're going to collect damages and divide that up and provide notice to the class of people who are affected. Um, this is not one of those actions, but this is an action that's being brought in a representative capacity. And California law does allow, in certain circumstances, such actions to be brought in representative capacity when certain um, requirements are met. And those include pr primarily when a public interest is at stake, which clearly this is, involves a public interest, when there's an ascertainable class. In this case, the, the class is easy. It's the class of people who legally owned uh, bullet button firearms prior to January 1, 2017, and who wishes to register them and was and were deprived of the ability to do so because of the DOJ's shortcomings. And finally, there's a there's certainly a community of interest uh, in that uh, in, among that class of people who'd be able to comply with the law. So we think that this this action is legitimately being brought in a representative capacity um, by our plaintiffs on behalf of all California gun owners. Okay, so. Now I understand you're also you're seeking a temporary injunction. What uh, what what are you looking for in this temporary injunction? We're seeking a preliminary injunction. A preliminary, that's right. That thank you. Okay. <laughs> and we, in in essence, we think it's fundamentally unfair and unjust, and frankly unfathomable, that anyone would seek to arrest or prosecute people for possessing an unregistered assault weapon when the DOJ prevented people from registering those weapons in the first place. So basically the injunction that we're seeking and that we filed yesterday is to prevent any prosecutions or arrests in California for possession, possession of an unregistered, unregistered assault weapon from going forward to the extent that they're based on bullet button uh, assault weapons that were legally owned prior to 2017, um, and to prevent those people from being arrested and prosecuted until the DOJ is able to have a reasonable functioning website that's dedicated to registration. It's pretty simple. Wow. Now, so what kind of problems were people experiencing? Because I understand they kind of ran the gamut. Yeah. You know, it's funny because since we filed this lawsuit last month, I, in addition to the plaintiffs that we represent, I, I've literally spoken to dozens of people all up and down the state from San Diego up to Shasta County where our lead plaintiff, Harry Sharp, lives. And almost to a man and to a woman, all these people report very common problems um, that they were all experiencing, and they tend to fall into three different categories. The first type of category that people were experiencing was basically an inability to get onto the DOJ's website in the first place. Now, the DOJ built its registration system over an already existing system called CFARS, and basically in the run-up to the registration deadline, which is June 30 of this year, um, people were just unable to get on in the first place. So, for example, one of our, our, our plaintiffs, uh, Dave Ajiroji, uh, was just simply unable to get on to CFAR, so couldn't even start the process. And other plaintiffs, such as uh, Darren, Darren Prince, was 
not able to get on to CFARS for four hours. It took him four hours to get on. So by the time he finally was able to get on, he had to then scramble to try to process and submit all the applications uh, that he intended. Then he ran into other problems, but that that's illustrative of the first type of problem, just basically inability to get onto CFARS in the first place. The second type of problem that people were experiencing generally was they couldn't upload the photographs that were being required. And Craig, as you may remember, the DOJ in its registration process was requiring each uh, gun to be accompanied with four photographs um, of each rifle or pistol that was being registered. And the DOJ simply couldn't handle that. So what happened was that people would upload the four photographs that were being required, they would hit submit, and then the system would just time out. So it would just spin out, and then after 10 minutes, they would kick them off, and they'd have to start all over again. So this obviously prevented a large number of people from being able to register um, because of the inability to process the photographs. And the third type of category that people uh, were experiencing generally was they would get this bizarre error message called the invalid character address, uh, invalid character error in the address. So when people would type in their uh, address in the form, they would tell them, the system would tell them that there's invalid characters in that. And so they'd have to think of, they'd have to scramble to think of every way they could state their home address, for example, and they simply couldn't get any further than that. So basically they, they were unable to proceed or it would just kick them out after that. So those are the basic kinds of errors that people were receiving. Now, did any of these folks try to contact DOJ before they, uh, before the deadline? A, a lot of people did for sure including uh, a lot of our, our plaintiffs. And uh, so they called or they emailed, they clicked on the help um, icon and and to a man, none of, the DOJ didn't respond to any of those, despite saying on its website that technical help or assistance would be available up to the day of the registration deadline. So, um, so those people n simply never got responded to. Now other people, were able to contact the DOJ after the fact, were able to actually reach a live person on that Monday, which is July 2. But the DOJ officials that were answering the phones would simply tell them, well, sorry, but it was your fault, Mr. Gun Owner, for uh, failing to uh, register earlier. You had all year to do it, and you should have done it earlier. <coughs> all right, well, so while I know that's a bunch of BS, um, what would you say to somebody in that case? I mean, because the reality is most of these problems that we're talking about all occurred relatively late in the process, right? That's kind of a ridiculous position for the DOJ to take or for anyone to take really to say that people shouldn't have waited to the last minute. I mean, it's like imagine the IRS telling you, you know, the IRS website going down and 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 telling you, well, Mr. Taxpayer, you know, it's your own fault. You had all year to file your taxes, so you should have done it earlier. I mean, no one would accept that. It's just sort of a ridiculous argument. But also, you know, as you might remember, Craig, the uh, Attorney General Becerra had on the Bureau of Firearms web page uh, this countdown clock, right? And it, and it literally counted down, ticked down the number of weeks, uh, days, hours, minutes, and seconds that you had to register your assault weapons. And so I guess the question I have is, 
why even have a countdown clock if you're not going to take it seriously? If, if the answer is, well, you shouldn't have waited to the last minute, then why do you even have a countdown second uh, clock that literally counts down the last second that you have to register assault weapons? It's just a, it's just a nonsensical argument. If, if your computer were not attached to your microphone, that would be a mic drop moment right there. <laughs> so, all right. So what do folks do who, all right, let's say, so right now, you wanted to register, you weren't able to register. What do you recommend that they do at this point? Well, um, okay, so at the at the risk of giving out legal advice, which this is not, um, two things. One is to disassemble your your firearm. Um, if you if you have it in the configuration you had it before and you still want to register it then disassemble it immediately so that you no longer have a semi-automatic firearm, at least according to the DOJ's regulations. Now, the DOJ makes it easy by saying that in, in, their, in their regulations, by saying that if you, this is, if you remove the upper and the lower on an AR-15, that is no longer considered to be a semi-automatic firearm for, for registration purposes. Now, it remains to be seen, and this is the caveat, it remains to be seen whether or not that's true for enforcement purposes as well, as well. But at least for registration purposes, first of all, disassemble the firearm so that you're not having a functioning um, so-called assault weapon at that point. And then the second thing I think is to contact us or, or the FPC through its uh, legal action hotline available on your website, or they can just contact me directly and we can talk about it and see whether or not it makes sense to include you in some capacity uh, in the suit. Fantastic. Uh, George, thank you so much for providing all of that information. And, and you know, thank you for, for all of the work that you do. You, you do so much uh, with, you know, with us, with the Cal Guns Foundation. We, we just really appreciate all the work that you're doing and the fighting that you're doing for us uh, in the courts. My pleasure, Craig. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Well, that's going to be it for today's Coffee with Craig. We very much appreciate you guys tuning in and supporting the Firearms Policy Coalition. Please remember to like and share this program on all of the various different formats, even if you only watch us on one. Like and share us on all of them so that we can get those numbers up and get other people plugged in. The more popular we are, obviously, the more people are going to get plugged in uh, and get the same information that you're getting. So please do that. Uh, and thank you, by the way, for supporting the Firearms Policy Coalition. If you're not already a member, please take a moment and join FPC. All you got to do is go to joinfpc.org. That's joinfpc.org. Thank you so much for your support and for being a part of the fight for our civil rights. Remember, got to use them or you're going to lose them. You guys take care. Uh -huh.